Welcome to the Innovation in Government show sponsored by Kerasoft. Each month, we'll talk with industry experts who enable innovation and make government more responsive and secure by advancing key technologies. Now, here's your host, Jason Miller. Welcome to Innovation in Government. I'm Jason Miller. My guest today is Chris Townsend, the Vice President of Federal for Symantec. Chris, welcome back to the program. Thanks for having me, Jason. Great to see you. Let me set some context for our discussion. The latest cybersecurity data released in June under the president's management agenda showed progress in protecting agency systems and data almost across the board. The Office of Management and Budget says 22 of 23 civilian CFO Act agencies are protecting at least 95% of their mobile devices with a mobile device manager that can wipe the phone or tablet remotely if it's lost. OMB says 18 of 23 agencies now have the ability to detect unauthorized software and alert the Security Operations Center, while only 9 of 23 agencies have the ability to alert the SOC if an unauthorized hardware device connects to the network. Agencies also have improved how they protect data and limited who has access to data and when, through enhanced identity and credential access management efforts, they know when they're going to be on the network. All these continued efforts, many of which have been going on for more than a decade, are moving agencies toward implementing a zero-trust framework. Each of these initiatives are part of creating an approach that, that understands who's on the network, what they're doing on that network, and what data they're accessing. Agencies have made good progress knowing who's on the network, but most departments still need to improve their understanding of why the user is accessing the data and what they're doing with it. Federal Chief Information Officer Suzette Kent recently said getting down to that next layer and being able to track, monitor, and determine if it's acceptable of who's accessing data is the next focus area for OMB. Kent said OMB and the CIO Council are working with the National Institutes of Standards and Technology to access current state of the technology that fits under Zero Trust Framework. So a lot of initiatives are going on, stuff we've been talking about forever. So how can agencies ensure they're on the right path moving towards zero trust, but also addressing so many other challenges like mobility and cloud? Well, that's where my guest comes in, Chris Townsend, the Vice President of Federal at Symantec. Let's just start with zero trust. I think that's the, the hottest topic. One of those things we hear time and again, uh, every conference has a zero trust. Let's start by saying, what are you hearing from agencies? Are they all in for zero trust? Whether it's DOD or the civilian agencies, uh, they're all looking at zero trust frameworks and, and how to move towards zero trust. And what's driving that? You hit a lot of that in your introduction. The move to the cloud, the move to mobility, uh, these boundaryless network environments that we're working in. How do we take full advantage of the agility and increased productivity of the cloud? How do we take full advantage of being able to use our mobile devices to, again, improve productivity and drive down costs? We have to be able to transfer the security to the data and to the user, no matter where that user is accessing the data from, what device they're using, and that's all about a zero-trust uh, architecture. Now, uh, as you said, it's, it's kind of the latest buzzword right now in industry. It's, it's kind of the new AI, if you will. And zero-trust is not a product. It is not a group of three or four products. And, it's, and in fact, I'll take it one step further beyond a platform. It's really going to be a discipline. If you think about all the complexity in implementing zero-trust, how are you going to implement your? How are you going to connect securely to your on-prem applications, your cloud applications, your web applications from any device from anywhere? Lock your policies down to the user. Protect the data where the data resides. That's a lot of infrastructure and complexity that you need to implement. So zero trust is is uh, is important. We need to go there, but it's going to be a fundamental change in the way that we're implementing security today. When you have the conversations with agencies, my feeling, at least from when I talk to CIOs and such, is they get that it's not a product. We can't just implement product one and all of a sudden we're zero trust. But do they understand what the path is to get there? Because so many of these programs, whether it's continuous diagnostics and mitigation or Einstein or, or some of these other things like high value assets, all play into this 
all fall under the umbrella of zero trust. That's right. There are components within those programs you mentioned, CDM, for example. They have TASB, they have boundary protection, they have endpoint protection. All of those fall within that zero trust framework, but all of those have to work in coordination with one another, right? They have to be integrated to some degree in order to truly implement zero trust. And you know, the challenge, and we've talked about this a lot in former programs, is the stovepipes in which a lot of these technologies were procured and implemented. We need to start taking an integrated approach to security and getting these tools and systems to work together in concert, and, and zero trust is going to drive a lot of that. When you have those conversations with agencies, is, is that the question they're asking is, okay, how do I integrate everything, or what are they asking you? Many of our conversations are, okay, where do we start? How are you guys defining zero trust? And, and uh, you, know, you mentioned it earlier. I think all of the agencies understand, hey, this isn't a product. Of course, a lot of the vendors are showing up that have one or two products, and you know, if, if you know, the problem's a nail, everybody comes with a hammer, right? But at the end of the day, they're, they're trying to understand how comprehensive is zero trust, what technologies do I need to consider? What is your approach, uh, Symantec, and how are you looking at Zero Trust? And really, it's just a, it's an education process. We, we, I think everyone realizes we're just starting down this path. And, and that's why it's fascinating, because as, as you talk to agencies and you talk to vendors, everyone's talking about it, but no one's really quite doing it yet. And are you seeing some pockets, whether it's defense or civilian, where certain agencies are a little further along? Or is this one of those cases where everyone's about the same spot? This is one of those cases everyone's about the same spot. You know, a, a big driver um, for the move to zero trust is really the software-defined perimeter technology. Uh, we just acquired a software-defined perimeter technology company. There's some others out there. You know, that's a, that's a relatively new, you know, last three to five years capability that most organizations don't have deployed. You know, most agencies are still using some kind of VPN to do remote access. So as that develops into software-defined perimeter, that's going to free up a lot of the um, integration with, again, web cloud and on-prem applications to really get that granularity. And and, and there's going to be this push-pull between do we do it at the network level, do we do it at the application level. So that's a lot of that's still evolving. Help me understand what you, when you say software-defined perimeter, when I think of perimeter, right, you think of, okay, well, what's my last endpoint? Right. But you're saying that this, there's a software that addresses that endpoint or, or what? Yeah, the idea is software-defined perimeter is, you know, today, for example, if you want to connect into your network, you connect through a VPN, and through that VPN access, now you have access to everything within that trusted network. A software-defined perimeter really defines what you can access, the level of granularity, least privilege, and it, and it does so in the way that we're implementing it you have cloud applications you want to access. So it defines what cloud applications you can access, and, and once you get into those cloud applications, what you can do in concert with working with your CASB, again, one of those integration points. Then you have web applications you need to access. So that integrates with your proxy capability to uh, make sure that the web applications you're accessing are do, you're doing so within the uh, security policies of your organization, whether you're off-prem or on-prem, right? And then you've got on-prem applications that you need to access. You know, a VPN today, once you're in, you're in. Software-defined perimeter provides you least privilege access, and you can enforce your security policy at a very granular level to the remote user where they reside, not once they're within your network. And maybe this is what Zero Trust is all about. That's exactly Who, right. what, and what can they do? You got it. The reason why I think we're, we're starting to talk about these issues, not just Zero Trust, but I think Zero Trust plays around, but even software-defined perimeter, is this more aggressive, if you will, more more uh, better understanding that agencies are having of the need for for mobile access. Uh, mobile security then plays a bigger role. Of how do you secure all those 
devices, and we're not just talking about you know smartphones and laptops and tablets, but all the IoT now as well. That's right. Where does mobile security kind of fit into the zero trust discussion? Well, I'll take those two separately because uh, mobile devices, as we think about tablets and laptops and, and phones, is one category. IoT is is a completely separate category. And, it, and of course, when you're applying that to federal, you know, you've got biomedical devices, you've got weapon systems, there are a lot of other things that fall within that IoT category. But just looking at phones for a moment, in your opening, you talked about 95% of our mobile devices are secure by an MDM. An MDM is not providing inspection for malicious content, for unauthorized Wi-Fi connectivity. So this morning driving in, there was just a story about um, how folks are connecting to Wi-Fi access points that they think are their local Starbucks or, or a secured access point, when in fact it's, it's not, and these access points are collecting data. MDM does not secure against that. So we need to augment MDM with tools that are uh, ensuring they're securing those end devices, because those end devices are, are, are really vulnerable. On the IoT side of things, um, that's more complex because a lot of the IoT devices are using uh, purpose-built operating systems. Uh, we've, we've developed a lot of capability, for example, to secure um, industrial control systems, but that's a, a different approach than maybe an, an IoT device uh, that you're using for uh, in a weapons platform or biomedical. So the IoT security is coming along a little bit more slowly because of the complexity of implementing IoT. And I think a lot of that IoT security is going to have to come with a partnership between the large security vendors and the manufacturers of those devices and building it in from the beginning. But just to tag back to software-defined perimeter, yep. that's where that can an IoT device should only be giving data back to this one Absolutely. system, this one port, etc. You can yep. really define, <laughs> software-defined, right. where it goes. And I think that, that's why that, that technology specifically is so attractive. You've got it 100%. So it, while we're trying to figure out how to secure those IoT devices, we can provide those IoT devices least privilege access to make sure that if they do get compromised, they're not doing any damage to your systems or exfiltrating any data. Do you get a sense from when you talk to your clients where, they, where mobile fits into this conversation? Has it become a much more focused area for them? Or is it something that, oh yeah, and what about mobile? Like, how, how, what's the reaction you're seeing? More and more of the agencies have folks that are um, uh, dedicated to BYOD implementation. So mobile is really important. Everyone's evaluating so, mobile security. So BYOD is not dead? Oh no, not at all. Because <laughs> you, you, you almost hear nobody talk about it anymore. Like, well, we're t piloting or testing it. You see a lot of people are like, well, until we can figure this thing out, we're not doing BYOD. But you're, you, I guess there's a lot of interest still. I, absolutely. Yeah. 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 The agencies that we're talking to, they've, they've got BYOD leads. They're looking at using their own, their, their employees' mobile devices in, in the work environment, no question. Do you think yeah. that's because of a cost-saving issue or because of these security things we're talking about that they can do the, these things like software-defined perimeter, they can do these, these uh, you know, augmented MDM, yeah. and then we'll get to the cloud in a second? I would say both plus you know, improved productivity, right? If you're able to use your mobile device to access your, your, your work environment and get things done more effectively, more efficiently, and, and, and more flexib flexibly in terms of time, you know, we're, we're, they're going to they're going to do that. But most, I, I Especially think, as the millennials come but, up, right? They're, they're those, used, yeah. those millennials, you yeah. had to bring it up. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but I guess my, the, I guess to put a finer point on it, a lot of agencies are giving their employees phones or tablets. Sure. And, and you see, you know, the government employee with two phones, right? My, my personal phone and my work phone. So with BYOD, obviously, it's all about the personal phone. Yes. So that's why I guess I'm wondering if, if what's the difference. It varies agency but, to agency. Yeah. It varies agency to agency. Some agencies are more flexible in terms of allowing their employees to use their own devices if they meet certain security parameters. Others, you have to use their device. But either way, mobile is, is uh, certainly 
going to be you know, uh, widely deployed, whether it's on a, an employee's device or, or a government-furnished device. Now, underpinning all of this is the cloud, and, and there's this big push to the cloud. One of the things that OMB also came out with recently is about 95% of all federal email boxes, civilian-wise, are now in the cloud. So again, mobility plays there, and security plays there, because the cloud is still phishing, spear phishing is still one of the biggest security threats agencies face. Where does cloud security fit into the zero trust discussion? When, um, when we first made some acquisitions in the cloud security space, and I would talk to the employees, or we'd go out and talk to the customers, and I'd say, hey, our customers are moving to cloud. And uh, they said, well, well, they're not moving to cloud yet. Federal's still doing a lot of on-prem. Uh, and I said, well, they're deploying Office 365. Well, oh yeah, they have Office 365, right? So Office 365, absolutely cloud. Um, all, all of all of the uh, email systems are, are moving to the cloud, as you said. And again, access to those systems, that is a cloud application. We use, we rely on email. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a core application. And um, being able to access that data from anywhere, from any device and do it in a secure manner plays right into the whole zero trust architecture. And today, the way our tick architecture was devised, and I know you and I have talked about this in the past, tick gateways were the absolute the right solution at the right time when they were deployed at, at that point, but cloud wasn't top of mind at that time. So the way the tick architecture works now is you have a remote user, whether they're on a mobile device or, or a, you know, a, a laptop from working from home, they have to VPN through the tick and then back out to the cloud, which breaks a lot of the functionality and agility of the cloud. So being able to modernize our, our tick architecture to have an intelligent control point in the cloud that facilitates that zero trust model to improve that productivity and, and, and efficiency is going to be uh, critical to taking advantage of that investment of moving all that email, all those email systems to the cloud. And I also would, would assume that that's why software-defined perimeter is getting more attention because of the cloud, because you're going to be on-prem and or off-prem. You really need something that, that deals with that entire perimeter versus just, well, everything's on-prem and I can just put a, put a wall. Go back. 20 years ago when everyone was first connecting to the internet, right? You had a trusted network and an untrusted network and you put a firewall in between those. Those days are over, right? We're in a boundaryless uh, environment today and, and it's increasingly so. So how do we start to define the perimeter around the user and the data no matter where they reside? And that's really what software-defined perimeter is all about in Zero Trust. All right, Chris, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we can continue our conversation. You're listening to the discussion Innovation in Government, sponsored by Kerasoft on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Symantec is the partner of choice for federal agencies looking to enhance their cyber posture and respond to advanced threats. Their integrated cyber defense platform combines information protection, threat protection, identity management, compliance, and other advanced services powered by shared intelligence and automation across endpoints, networks, applications, and clouds to deliver the most robust capabilities in the federal marketplace. To learn more, visit Symantec.com. Welcome back. You're listening to the discussion Innovation in Government, sponsored by Kerasoft on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Chris Townsend, the Vice President of Federal at Symantec. Now, Chris, before break, we talked a lot about zero trust and how mobile security as well as cloud security all kind of fits underneath this and why agencies are moving towards zero trust. And, and, and this kind of leads us down to this path of the reason why zero trust software-defined perimeter is getting so much attention is because, and, and we've, we seem to say this all the time, it's harder and harder to defend your networks, harder and harder to defend your systems and, and data. So maybe start with a little bit of what, what trends are you seeing in cybersecurity beyond it's hard. And, you know, going back to the last segment, we did talk about zero trust and software-defined perimeter and why that's so important. One of the advantages of software-defined perimeter, whether you're in a BYOD environment or a government-furnished environment, software-defined perimeter has the intelligence to understand, hey, are you 
trying to access an app, a system or an application with a government furnished device, with your own device? Uh, are you doing it from a geographic location that makes sense, or are you doing it from someplace that you shouldn't be? All of those things we can factor in now with the software-defined perimeter technology to improve uh, security and improve the control that you have to certain systems and applications dependent upon what device you're using and where you're accessing from. So, so there's some, some real value there. And, and I think that value comes in as agencies are getting pinged and we're seeing spoofing and then we're seeing all these things that, that are becoming more disruptive, for lack of a better word. I That's remember, right. I think it was um, the head of uh, NSA Cyber Command uh, spoke about this. Uh, Alex, General Alexander said the next big thing we have to worry about is, is disruption. And we we're all like, what do you mean? And he's like, well, they change your data. And now we're starting to see that. that, that that's absolutely right. So cha- changing the data. I mean, we've seen some of the um, AI deepfake stuff. I mean, that's fascinating there. In fact, there was a, um, a story that was relayed to me, and I don't have all the details, but it was very interesting where, they, where someone used an AI deepfake voice of a CEO to call a finance department to uh, tell them to issue a check and then followed up with an email, and the finance department cut the check, and, and it was a you know a new way of doing social engineering by using the the AI deepfake technology. So yeah, there are uh, you know certainly uh, disruptions. There are uh, the AI deepfakes, uh, and then you know we used to talk a lot about ransomware over the last couple of years. We just you know did our internet security threat report. It's still important. You know we're seeing some form jacking, crypto jacking, and other things. But man, ransomware is still really prevalent and destroying of data, not just disruption and inserting um, bogus data, but but actually destroying the data. And, and um, you know, if your your environment's locked up and you can't access your network or you can't access any of your critical, critical systems, that's uh, that's highly disruptive. You, you saw that with Baltimore City. They went, went down earlier this, this year for, right. for several months, for several weeks because of ransomware. Is zero trust and some of these other security things we've been talking about going to give agencies a little more, if you will, uh, confidence that they can stop or, or at least sustain against some of this some of these types of attacks it, it will however you know, <laughs> cybersecurity is always a um, or a bit of a shiny object driven kind of toys to tools approach hey zero trust is the latest greatest thing or AI is the latest greatest thing but we can't take our eye off hey we've developed some some capabilities over the years right Symantec is one of the leaders in this space in, in endpoint security. And as the endpoint gets more and more important, right? We're talking about mobile device endpoints and using endpoints to access and you know the software-defined perimeter at the endpoint level. We have to make sure we're still fundamentally securing those systems against threats like malware, because those are those are in, the, the target to your endpoint is is increasing. It's not decreasing as as we go through these um, evolution in, in boundaryless environments. And what we've seen is the cyber basic hygiene, right? That's why OMB, for instance, is really focused on high value assets. And now they move the next level down to critical assets. And they're saying, understand what you have and then protect those things and work out. And I think that comes back to this bigger discussion over tools. And, and we've seen this, I think, time and again, I think agencies are buying tools, buying tools because they have this issue and then they have that issue and then they have this issue. And they're not understanding kind of how the tools work and how they can integrate. Tool consolidation is, is one of those things I hear from every vendor. How does that fit into this, this drive towards, if you will, not just zero trust, but better security overall? So if you think about how security environments are built out, they were built out somewhat reactively, right? You got a threat, you go evaluate the tool to solve the problem, and you go buy the tool. What happens is you know, a lot of vendors have made acquisitions, built additional capabilities into the tools over time. And if you put up a Venn diagram, there's 65 or 70% overlap in capability between multiple tools in your environment. Well, each one of those tools requires 
you know, separate maintenance contracts. They have separate uh, operating consoles. You need people trained on them. So the cost and complexity of operating all of these tools is, is really unsustainable. And then you think about the limited number of cyber analysts that you have in your environment. And now the analysts are tasked with integrating all of this information and evaluating that information to figure out what they really need to be focused on. And um, we need to simplify the environment security. Uh, a good security posture, you get as much simplicity, you remove the complexity out of your environment as much as you can. And you know, we're going in and talking to customers. You know, I was, I was in a large agency just a couple of weeks ago. And we were talking about cloud security and you know zero trust and all the topics, mobile security. And uh, we, we started talking about uh, tools consolidation. And one of the senior executives at the in this meeting piped up and said, look, I want to understand more about tools consolidation. And I talked to her about what we had done with a large financial uh, at Symantec a couple of years ago, European-based bank. They were spending $70 million a year on their security tools, not operational costs, but just O&M and CapEx expense on their, on their security tool infrastructure. And uh, we came in and we said, look, you know, we know a lot of the other tools that you're using. You have a lot of overlapping capability. We can help you consolidate. And we think we can save you a significant amount of money. They said, great. Here's all the tools we're using. Here's the costs that we have. You come in and prove to us where you can consolidate. So they did a, we put a list together. They came in. We did a bake-off of every single one of the tools that we said we could replace the capabilities that you're using or where they could consolidate. And we saved them $20 million a year in hard dollar cost savings. That doesn't take into account the productivity increase and the overall improvement of their security posture by driving that complexity out of the environment. So tools consolidation in the cybersecurity space is, is, is real, and it's something that everybody should be, should be looking at. That's a great example because it's it's not just cost avoidance, right? Which we a lot of times we talk we hear from agencies. Well, we avoided spending X. That's hard dollars because they went from this. I know it's a bank, but they went from seventy million to fifty million, and then they could repurpose that twenty million. And I think agencies have that opportunity to do the same. When you talk to agencies, do you see the same type of whether it's five million or twenty million or hundred million? Same type of, same type of opportunity to because. One big push is to take that money then and push it into IT modernization. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and you know, the, and again, the hard dollar cost savings are significant. But if you look at the productivity increase and the overall improved in and uh, efficacy, the improvement of efficacy, the cybersecurity environment, and, and your security analyst is huge. If you can get a, a, an integrated platform, and then you can start to adopt things like data analytics and and really start to drive toward automation with AI and ML. So. Uh, you know, the integration, simplification, and consolidation has a lot more benefit outside of just, just the dollar savings. When you went into that customer and started the effort, walk me through a little bit about, as much as you can, about mm-hmm. what you did. Because I think a lot of agencies would probably say, okay, well, where do I start? Because, okay, I know what yeah. tools I have, hopefully. Now, how do I start integrating them or, or at least consolidating them? Yeah, and, and again, just to, to be clear, I, I wasn't the person that led that effort with the with the bank. It was, it was someone else within our company. But... We went in and asked them, hey, let's take an inventory of all of the security tools you're using. We uh, put those in a, in a spreadsheet, essentially, lined up all the tools that we had, talked about all the overlapping capability, and then the customer had us come back in in a lab and evaluate our capability that overlapped with the, uh, the other vendor's capability and where we could truly consolidate. And they did a, a months-long bake-off to really determine, hey, can you do everything you say you can do you know, across these tools? And once we proved out that we could, and then they looked at the cost, potential cost savings of, hey, I can eliminate this tool and just use this tool, you know, it, 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 it was that $20 million savings. We're going through this effort right now with a large federal agency. We, we relayed that same example, and they said, come in and do that for us. So we're, we're in the process of doing that same thing, right? It's just 
evaluating all this. And, and, you know, as a vendor, we know all the tools are using. I, I think in order to do that more effectively, Jason, it just ha- we just have to have that open dialogue uh, with the customer. So often you kind of have that um, arm's length vendor customer relationship where it doesn't facilitate us coming and go show us the other tools you're using and let's figure yeah. it out. We need to start to get beyond that. What are some of the common, if you will, potholes or obstacles that agencies face when it comes to tool consolidation? Because it seems to be very similar to data center consolidation. Well, I got to see the blinking lights, or I have to hug the data server, or is it is it a very similar kind of change of culture? Oh, certainly. So you know, there, there's always been a push pull between security and network, right? It, hey, is a firewall a network device or is it a security device, right? So you have to break through some of those political silos, uh, certainly, and then. You know, as vendors, we take a lot of, of blame for not educating our customers on the additional capability we've built into our products over time. So if you bought Symantec Endpoint Protection 10 years ago, today it's a very different, much more robust product. And, and if our account teams haven't been proactively educating the customer on all the additional capability that we've built into that platform, they may have gone out and bought other tools to augment that, not knowing we've built that capability in. So we've created some of that problem in the, in the vendor community. It's nice to hear you uh, admit the first step to solving the problem is admitting you have a problem. That's right. Has that also caused you guys to change how you approach selling and kind of talking to federal customers? Uh, yeah, absolutely. One of my primary initiatives when I came into Symantec, you know, I had two organizations that we brought together. We had the, the Blue Coat folks that were really, really good at networking cloud security, and we had the Symantec folks that were really, really good at data and endpoint. Now we're merging those two solutions together. My account teams and my engineering teams not only had to understand the portfolio at a, at a much broader level, but now it's, it's, it's the integration, it's the consolidation, it's the cost efficiency, it's the operational efficiency conversation, which is a much higher level conversation in the organization where it's the CIO or the chief information security officer or the CFO that we're talking to. And um, we need to take a, a different approach in that conversation. We need to make sure our, our account teams understand not only the cost avoidance conversation, but in the improved productivity and agility and what it means to be able to move to the cloud and mobile and software-defined perimeters. So it's, it's, a, it's a much different conversation. It's not a product conversation anymore. It's really a business partnership. And how do we help you, you know, whichever agency it is, securely move to the cloud, securely move to, the mo- securely move to mobile, and do it in the most efficient, cost-effective manner? It's interesting you bring up the partnership. One of the things that we see when it comes to, for instance, IT modernization, and, and I was just working on a story recently about the Federal IT Acquisition Reform Act, FATARA, and one of the agencies that made some success there is they stopped talking about FATARA as an IT program, as a law. They talked about it as a pro- process improvement, a program improvement. Is cyber moving into that realm now when you bring in a CFO and you bring in the program folks? It's not just, well, we got to shut off this port and, and, and stop this type of attack, but it's we have to ensure you can do your job. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, the, the chief information security officer position has really evolved over the last few years from a technologist to more of a risk mitigation specialist in a business uh, level special. So, hey, we've, we've got this limited number of resources. We have these risks in order of priority. How do we align these resources to mitigate these risks at a at a business level or a mission level unless, you know, on a, on a technology level? So, yeah, security has become fundamental to everything that you do, and it needs to be a, a discipline rather than a, you know, kind of corner case technology. It's good news because we continue to talk about risk every NIST publication, every OMB memo. Uh, Chris, this has been a fascinating conversation. Unfortunately, we're out of time for today. So let me thank my guest, Chris Townsend, the Vice President of Federal at Symantec. Chris, thank you so much for taking the time. Thanks for having me as always, Jason. Appreciate it. I'm Jason Miller, and you've been listening to the discussion Innovation in Government, sponsored by Kerasoft, on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search Innovation.
Thank you for listening to the Innovation in Government show sponsored by Kerasoft on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. The entire discussion can be found on demand at federalnewsnetwork.com, keyword innovation.